It is BJ Jot. <laughs> we go again. BJShow.co. Why can't I get that? I came up with that name. I put together the website. John Combest, you why know, can't I ever get it out of my out mouth? It Explain it to me. It rolls right off the tongue. It Except it w- when, we, when we promote it on the air. Yeah, it, it, BJ, uh, BJShow.co. That's the website. And matter of fact, um, we're going to go right into John's top three, but then we're going to have a little bit of dis- discussion about John calling me out on something. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Let's go. With, it has to do with BJShow.co. So yes. anybody who's listening right now who has their, their phone or their laptop there, you can, you can check it out. Go to the About section. Yes. Uh, mine is blank. And Brad's no, no, no. Uh, asserts his philosophy You're, about work ethic. Yours is not so, blank. You just haven't filled it out yet. There's stuff on correct, there. Which... I actually went to Egbert on air yesterday, at, mistakenly thinking that that's the page that I should edit. Yeah. And I was like, man, how come? How how? Why isn't why isn't this loading? Okay, so top three stories today. The first one is familiar to our listeners because we've talked about it several times. The Kansas City Star today has. Uh, I wouldn't call it a deep dive, but I would call it a mid-level dive on why Senator Hawley's efforts to get funding for St. Louis area radiation victims did not pass through the Missouri Senate. The headline from the Kansas City Star reads, Hawley says he'd make it painful if he didn't get way on defense bill. Senate called bluff. So the, the piece really frames it as if Hawley was making empty threats that he would block the defense bill. And in the end, he ended up making a couple procedural moves, was not able to stop the defense bill. It passed by a huge margin. And then the story gets comments from Senator Eric Schmidt, U.S. Representative Ann Wagner, about what the path forward will be. And essentially, both Wagner and Schmidt agree that the best path forward will, will be next year to have a standalone bill that's not tied to a larger bill, that's a little bit more specific about the cost. Now, wh- so folks who've been on social media or who follow Missouri political types on social media will know that Democrats have essentially been taking a victory lap on this. And their point is that Josh Hawley has talked a big game but couldn't come through for Missouri residents when it comes to this. So that's the Democratic spin on this. Well, let, let's, let's, let's explain to some people who may not listen from, to, from day to day. The issue on this was there was money that was earmarked in this bill that would go to the victims of uh, the pollution that specifically in North County and in St. Charles County from uh, World War II, from the nuclear bomb. Yep. And that was money that was in this bill that at the last minute got pulled out of the bill, correct? Yeah, that's ex- that's exactly right. And so Ann Wagner in this Kansas City Star story, that's which you can find on my website, talks about how the that Hawley's proposal really wasn't specific enough, according to Ann Wagner, and how much uh, and how and essentially how how that part would be paid for. So in other words, you know, Ann Wagner uh, on her side is pointing out that if you if you're gonna suggest that that we compensate these folks, you got to point out where the money's gonna come from, or or if it's gonna be taken from another place. I think that's Ann Wagner's position. So is but, Ann is Ann Wagner effectively throwing Josh Hawley under the bus on this? Then I wouldn't. I no. I wouldn't say that. In fairness to Ann, I wouldn't say that. I would. I would just say that if you're a Republican, um, and Ann Wagner has been a vocal supporter of the compensation. So to give her credit for that, I think is is fair. But 
I think she's saying that we just have to be more specific or, or that the, the bill next year has to be more specific in exactly what the costs are and exactly how we're going to pay for this. I got it. Okay, so that's number three. Two more to go. Well, that I'm sorry. I started with number one. That's, that's number that's one. That's the okay. lead story today. That's number one. The second story is uh, what I think is interesting is a number of local unions are supporting Wesley Bell in his challenge against U.S. Representative Cori Bush. Now, Cori Bush has enjoyed the support of labor. She's been a visible presence at UAW strikes in Winsville and other places. And it's unique, I think, that some of these uh, unions, including sheet metal workers, including uh, UFCW, which is the, the, the food workers union, have support, are, are, are coming out in support of Wesley Bell over Cori Bush. And Spectrum Local News, Spectrum is, of course, owned by Charter Communications. Greg Palermo has a piece today that's kind of breaking down a little bit of what the unions say about this. Well, so in other words, the takeaway from this is that unions will be on some level split over who they support in the Democratic primary. I would and think you, the unions would be against her because of the fact that she's the one that wanted to shut down Boeing. I mean, she's the, you know, and how many jobs in the North County area or in the entire St. Louis metro area are tied to Boeing? Remember, she tried to get the Defense Department completely defunded, which would mean that there would be no money for Boeing anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, when you think about the UAW overall, so when you think about a national union, they've been vociferous supporters of the squad, you know, and, and so I think it would be a surprise to see them. And especially considering the visibility she's had at their strikes, I think it would be surprising to see UAW come out against Cori Bush. But some of the other and the unions are also upset about the fact that many of them are still upset about the fact that she voted against the federal infrastructure bill. And so, you know, th that bill would have created, no matter what you think of that spending, it would have done a huge service to union workers. See, I, that's what I don't understand about her is that she's got this union support. But if there's a, a bill that supports unions, it was the infrastructure bill. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think at a certain point, if you're a Democratic representative like Cori Bush, you have to wonder if you take the union vote for granted what are they going to do? They're not going to support a Republican. But when you roll the dice like that, you open up the path for, for an opponent like Wesley Bell. Uniquely, the president of the Missouri AFL-CIO, which is Jake Hummel, who's, who is a popular state senator from the St. Louis area, he says that the board is going to hold off on endorsing until after, the, until after filing closes, which is in March. So essentially, they're not going to say anything or back anybody until the primary field is set. Got it. And number three is number. I think the number three story today is another one that we've talked about, which is the state representative, Sarah Unsicker, announced that she, who's a Democrat, announced that she has dropped out of the race for lieutenant governor. So I'm sorry for attorney general. So she has um, she has entered a lot of controversy lately. We've talked about it on this show. She she has taken pictures with a gentleman, she took pictures with a gentleman who was accused of being a Holocaust denier. He says he's not a Holocaust denier. Um, and the Democrat caucus, the House Super Minority Leader, Crystal Quaid, stripped Sarah Unsicker of her House committee post, which, which essentially neuters her in the Missouri legislature. So Sarah Unsicker says she's no longer running for attorney general. 
and she will make an announcement in January about her political future. So at least one story I've read suggests that she may run for a different statewide office. It's not as if the statewide field for Democrats is a strong one. So, you know, she could easily slide into a secretary of state race or state treasurer or something along those lines. Uh, But it's been a really fascinating three weeks to see Democrats argue against each other. I was talking to a friend last night and pointed out the fact that when Democrats would argue with each other, especially publicly, there's a loud there's a lot of out victiming each other. So one side will say they're the victim of this type of a smear. The other one will say that they're actually this type of a victim of this type of smear. And so it's, you know, I'm biased as a as a conservative when I see that because I hate the victim card. But Anyway, it's a unique turn of events. And, you know, as of just a couple days ago, Sarah Unziker was full-throated still a candidate in this race. Well, but I find it sort of interesting to begin with that you rarely see the Democrats. For the most part, you see, like, for example, you see this in Missouri. You see this on on the federal level. Uh, The Democrats always seem to have a united front. But the Republicans have like the splinter groups, like the in you know on a state level you've got the Bill Eigels who are the and the Bob Anders who are the super conservatives, uh, and you have the same thing on the federal level as well too. I mean the classic example of that is Matt Gates who essentially got Kevin McCarthy thrown out of uh, the uh, Speaker of the House position in uh, the U.S. Uh, House of Reps because of the fact that he's the one that you know put up the vote. And even though well, what's the, sp- the the statistic ninety six percent of the Republicans voted for uh, Kevin McCarthy to retain his position as Speaker of the House, but yet he got thrown out because when the overall vote was in, there were uh, Republicans who crossed the line and voted against Kevin McCarthy with all the Democrats. And you see this, so folks who were old enough to remember the 1990s will remember when Democrats in Missouri had a majority in the Missouri House, they face the same type of infighting. So there's no doubt that when a party has has strong-arm control of a legislative branch, like Missouri Democrats in the 90s, remember Tip O'Neill was Speaker in the House through the 70s and 80s. He dealt with a lot of factions. He had to deal with Black Caucus. He had to deal with a lot of uh, fringe folks on the environmental side. So when you're the party in power, and you have a huge enough majority, that's when that's when members of the majority flex a little bit and start causing trouble. So that's what we've seen here in Missouri. And somebody who makes a great point about that is Jim Lemke, who is a former elected official from the South, the South County area. And Jim, in radio interviews, has detailed why having a super majority is pretty bad for conservatives because everybody wants to join the majority party. So if you the, – the type of person that 20 years ago might have identified as a, as a conservative Democrat, think about like a Bill Lutkenhaus in St. Charles County or someone like that, would, identi- would have to run as a Republican today. What kind of values – and approaches to these issues are they actually bringing into the Republican Party? Which is sort of interesting because if you look at a macro, macro uh, view of that, if you go back in history, John F. Kennedy, who is a Democrat, today would have been considered a Republican by most people. Don't yeah, you, don't and, you and agree? Well, you know, uh, the, the example I give a lot is that if Kit Bond, who is a Republican icon, I mean, he's the type of guy that should be on the Mount Rushmore of Missouri political figures. I doubt that Kit could win a Republican primary today in Missouri. He's considered too much of a deal maker. He's considered a little too much of a wheeler and dealer. And people in the Republican Party would have a huge problem with Kit Bond today. 
Interesting. That is John Combest. You can check out his entire list and a gazillion, gazillion, gazillion other links. He does this every single day. JohnCombest.com, C-O-M-B-E-S-T, just like it sounds, J-O-H-N-C-O-M-B-E-S-T, JohnCombest.com. He does it every single day, 365 days a year since October of 2001. Did I get that correct That's again? right. That's right. 22 years now. So just a month after 9-11, John Combest sat down at <laughs> his computer. Right. That's a good way to remember For it, the first time and ground out this list, which he updates every day. And if you're expecting to go to his page, and I don't mean this in disrespect. I mean this just as sort of like, you know, sort of sometimes uh, I have a, a, a phrase that I use all the time, under-deliver and over-promise, uh, which is what most people do. But in John's case, it's under-promise and over-deliver. There's not a lot on there. There's not a lot. There's no graphics whatsoever. There's no video and everything like that. Essentially, it's tags and it's links. That's right. That's and, exactly right. And you go there, and if you are, you scan through the tags, you scan through the links, and if something uh, piques your interest, you click on it, bang, and then it appears. And then there is a link to where you can typically go to that website, uh, go to a video, whatever it is. It's pretty interesting. Now, once again, you and I have talked about this a little this extent. How long does this take you every day? I know you, you've done it to the point where it's like the old workflow thing. Once you've done something long enough, you get to the point where you can knock through it pretty quick. But from start to finish, average day, how long does it take you to put that together? It usually takes between two and two and a half hours. Every really? Week. Every yep. single day? Yep. Wow. Now, there'll be a day, so for example, the day after Christmas, let's say. Right. Which And, and we'll be on the air that day. John Combest is not taking a break <laughs> the day after Christmas to be on the radio. But the day after Christmas, for example, there's not a whole lot of news that happens on Christmas Day. So that day might take me 45 minutes. And, and a day that's at the end of the legislative session when every news organization suddenly finds the ability to send someone to Jefferson City to cover the end of legislative session – and there might be 70 news stories on my website. That might take me three hours in the morning. Or, or um, and, and one of the challenging things that I've, that I've picked up in the last few years is if someone appears on a show in general, if they're on a radio show or, it's, or a TV show, I add timestamps. So I won't just say on most days, I won't just say, hey, Representative X talked about these three topics. I'll call out exactly the moment that they talk about taxes or you know, their congressional primary or whatever, just to make it a little bit easier for the reader. Within the interview? Yeah. So you listen to all these interviews? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so, you know, if I'm listening to a 45-minute interview and I have 30 timestamps, like that takes – I listen to – so, for example, I'll give you a hint. I'll give you an example. When I would listen to the BS show with, with Brad Hildebrand and Shelley Barr, my trick is if I'm listening to it on YouTube – you can go and adjust the speed. So I would listen to Brad and Shelly at two times the speed. So I can listen to it. My, my, you know, our brains can process the sound and all the dead air or all the repeating and all the whatever. You just you're, you skim through that and you get all the content in half the time. We have so the, that's a trick for me. We have the same thing right now on which you didn't even know existed until yesterday. The BJShow.co site uh, where if you go to the various uh, what you do is you can look at the blog and each page of the blog page. Uh, details a particular show and we break the uh, podcast down to three segments segment a which we're in right now which essentially runs a little bit after seven o'clock till about 720 segment b from about 723 to about uh, 740 and then segment c which is uh, 742 or so i up to the top of the hour and you can do the same thing you can go 1.25 1.5 1.75 yep. 
times two speed and you can go through pretty quick. But uh, anyway, pretty interesting. Okay, now, as far as that's concerned, John sends me something this morning, <laughs> which is sort of interesting. The BJShow.co website is about eh, 80% done. And if you go to the About page, you'll see my About. And John's is still uh, in Latin, which means... <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done it. That's right. <laughs> which it's means, been 24 hours, and I haven't logged in and done it yet. Which means, uh, if you know anything about web development, usually if you look at sites where they mock things up, uh, they have like the headlines in there, but all the text is in Latin because they're just throwing stuff in just to make it look, you know, like what would look with real text. So John sends me <laughs> a little screenshot of my profile this morning where I say, which is terrific. It's terrific. <laughs> which is, I say, I show up for work every day, and he essentially says. I have to apologize because I took Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday off. I didn't mean it as a shot at you, John. I really didn't. Well, hey, now, Brad, you did do the website on Sunday, right? Yes, I did. And it was and it was the day before. So I wanted to make clear to folks who, who have listened to the show, and now folks are listening to this, you know, can listen to this after the show. In the Facebook era of everyone oversharing about their life, as Brad knows, I'm very private about anything going on in my life that involves my kids or if I have a medical issue or if I'm getting a procedure done or I'm going out of town, I'm not one of these people that says, hey, going in for a colonoscopy, wish me luck. Or, <laughs> hey, I'm going out of town, please come rob my house. Yes. So to, to, to make it very clear for everyone, the fact that we were not on the air Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is because of me. Brad and I sat down on November 17th in the afternoon and we went through a whole bunch of stuff about the show and the site and I said, hey, by the way, there's three days that I'm going to be gone. Other than that, we can do this every morning. Yeah, that's cool. So, oh, well, so if anybody if anybody is upset about the fact, any listeners, I mean, they're upset about the fact, it's, it's clear that it, it's my responsibility for the fact that we took an early Christmas break <laughs> and I was not here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Brad answered the bell. Brad would have been here answering the bell and I was not. Well, it, it's one of those things where I guess it's sort of instilled in me my entire – well, I'll tell you what. Let's take a break. We'll talk about this first thing out. Uh, and we are going to try the phone again. <laughs> we tried the phone yesterday. Uh, this is sort of a low-budget operation and I'm the engineer here. So uh, I'm not saying I'm a bad engineer, but – I'm not up to the caliber a lot of these guys are. And I set it up where we can make phone calls and talk to guests and things like that on the phone. Although when I tried it yesterday when we called John, we called, uh, not not John, you're John. We called Mark McCluskey yesterday. It didn't work. Mark, we could hear Mark on the air, but Mark couldn't hear me talk. So it didn't do any good that I had him on the air because he couldn't hear what I was asking him. So we'll try it again next break. But I want to talk about the everyday thing. And I just want to touch on that because you and I had yeah. an interesting conversation yesterday about phone calls. So something yep. that, that we, I, I think we should talk about. Anyway, uh, it is uh, Brad and John's show. You can check out the website. Brand new website. Just debuted actually on Sunday, but John didn't find out about it until yesterday. BJShow.co. Not a .com. We couldn't afford the M. BJShow.co. It's 722.